Hello and welcome everybody to another edition of Sustainability Now here on Forward Radio, your community radio station right here broadcasting from the top of the Hayburn Building in downtown Louisville at 106.5 FM. And we live stream to the world anywhere you're at at forwardradio.org. Heck, you may be paddling down a river in Kentucky or something like that with some Wi-Fi and your earbuds in. You could listen live to Forward Radio or archived as well. The reason I say Say that is because we are going to talk about paddling in Kentucky today on Forward Radio on Sustainability Now. I'm so excited to welcome into the virtual studio with me our new guest for today, Heather Warman, a good friend I'm getting to meet and learn about. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Where I didn't even get to ask yet. Where are you joining us from today? I am in Lexington today. I'm at my office. Joining us from Lexington, but she is owner and guide of SUP Kentucky, (laughs) stand-up paddleboarding Kentucky, right? Uh, Yes. Which is a fairly new business. Is that right? When did you guys get started? Fairly new. We started in 2016. Okay. All right. Yep. Oh, you got some uh, river under your belt. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you should definitely go online and learn about this great organization. It's at SUPKentucky.com. Uh, so what, what you all do is take people out on, on magical places in Kentucky, right? That we can't get to by any other means, right? Yeah, we do. We take them paddling at some pretty special places in Kentucky. When we started this company, uh, well, the impetus for starting this company was my husband is actually a boat captain so he would often be leaving out on the ocean to take jobs oh, but wow. he was also a stand-up paddleboarding athlete for many years sponsored by NRS which is Northwestern River Supply so I thought you know we should start a stand-up paddleboarding company because no one's doing it here and there's lots of amazing places to paddle in Kentucky we have lots and lots of water here. We sure do. So, Kentucky um, is rivers. It is. So <laughs> we decided to start the company in 2016. He got a little nervous that year, so he ended up taking a job in Texas. <laughs> okay. So I, yeah, so I was at the time the executive director of Kentucky Environmental Foundation, but I went ahead and on the weekends started doing this with a couple of friends just for fun. And when he would come home, he would help me. And it did really well. And that first year, we really just wanted to find magical places in Kentucky to paddle that we've been to. We knew there were amazing places here. So we kind of sussed out. And then during that first year, we sort of landed on Grayson Lake State Park, Cumberland Falls State Park, Natural Bridge State Park. Wow. And we kind of started operating in those three places. So we do Cumberland Falls. We go to Grayson Grotto, which is a hidden grotto. It's amazing. You feel like you're in another country when you're paddling there. (laughs) Waterfalls and hidden grottos. And then, you know, the underground limestone mine in the Red River Gorge, obviously. We had been looking for a cave to paddle in, but Hidden River Cave and some of the other caves I went to, because we have a lot of caves here in Kentucky, too, for people that don't know, they really were just like one room. They Mm. weren't a real space and i happen to be driving by because i go to see my family in breathitt county periodically my whole family was from there so we would always stop at natural bridge i saw a banner that just said underground paddling i was like what i've been coming out here my whole life and i didn't even know this was here like many other people that limestone mine had said abandoned for so many years so i luckily drove by a few days after ian teal bought it and opened it and when I talked to him about paddleboarding, he thought I was nuts because <laughs> the water is 42 degrees in there. It's cold. Um, yeah, but he said, 
really? I said, no, it's perfect. It's amazing. So he let me do it and we've been partnering with him ever since. So over the years, we've both grown our companies and we recently leased the entire backside of the mine. So now we have our own entrance, really? our own, you know, retail store. And we've added, you know, some specialty things like completely clear kayaks with LED lights. We're getting ready to add clear paddle boards with LED lights. We've always had paddle boards with LED lights. But in there, because the water's so clear, you can see the bottom. And then you can paddle almost a mile underground. Wow. It's really massive under there. So that's become a super popular tour because it's so close to Lexington. It's a very unique experience. You yeah. Know, most of the time when you paddle underground, you don't get to go very far. Yeah, so that's really how everything started and how it got kicked off. So, and everything's just been kind of auxiliary ever since. Mm. Like after we developed those first three tours, then we started doing weekend adventures in all three of those locations. Nice. So we do like everything. We try to take advantage of local food. We try to do some other activities like horseback riding, rock climbing, zip lining, you know, we go to Carter Cave State Park to do cave tours. So we really tried to start incorporating many things from the local communities into the tour so people can really learn all of what Kentucky has to offer. Yes. Um, guided hikes to our arches in the gorge and things like that. And then, you know, as an extension, we then started traveling in the winter and taking places internationally. Oh, really? So, yeah. So people often travel with us a bunch in the summer and then this year we'll be in Croatia for most of September. <gasps> wow. And then, yeah, and then we'll be in Mexico for December and January. And then next year, who knows? I'm going to decide soon. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of like mostly operate here in Kentucky, February until the end of November. And then we kind of like scale back because it's winter, you know, so we just kind of, and then we try to travel to warmer places in December to March. So, <laughs> and then come back. So, yeah, it's been going really well though. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Like, what do you do year round? And you're you're figuring it out how to keep people paddling year round. That is so cool. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I dove right in because I was so excited to talk about paddling. I didn't even give a little bit of your backstories, but we have time on this program to awesome. back it up just a little <laughs> bit because I first learned about you because you were a speaker at last year's Midwest Regional Sustainability Summit, and you yeah. actually had like ten years of working in sustainable design. Right? You want to talk a little bit about that and how you came to this paddling thing? Yeah, yeah, it was a, a weird evolution. So originally, I got a degree in interior design from the University of Kentucky. You know, I graduated in 1999. And during the, my time there, I became very interested in sustainability, you know, climate issues, water conservation, all of those types of things. Um, through and my was design. that was that part of the program at UK? They teach some, they teach some of it. Yeah. And also okay. the professors we had at the time, a couple of them were sort of, you know, very interested into that. And so I was very interested as soon as they, you know, told us some things about it. And then I, I was able to get on the board at the Home Builders Association, believe it or not, which isn't always the most sustainably minded organization, right. but they had a green council. Mm -hmm. And so I chaired the green council for several years. And then I got really involved at the Home Builders Association in trying to get those guys to be more sustainability minded. I did that for almost five years. And the evolution of that, I had my own design company. I still do it occasionally, not much. I'm doing it in my own cabins now and my own stuff now. But, you know, mostly that kind of died off when in around 2003, 
I started helping out with the Habitat Restore uh-huh. um, Lexington, mostly with the deconstruction program. So as I was taking apart my clients' homes, we were recycling the materials into the store. And then I started working there more and more as a volunteer, and I helped them get their paint bulking program started. Oh, nice. And I had a few people that really started helping with the deconstruction program. Um, which is interesting because all those people are now big time into Habitat, which I was there for quite a few years. So the restore was really my next thing. Like I kind of quit doing the design full time and went to work for them. And so I did Habitat restore for seven years. And then I started training. I worked with the International Habitat to train other store people on how to create the paint bulking programs, deconstruction programs, like how to manage your store. And then I was really looking to get more back into environmental stuff. And the position at Kentucky Environmental Foundation came about. So I applied for that, which was a perfect tie in to everything I cared about. Um, and that was a great position for me and really kind of realigned my connectivity with waterways in Kentucky. Yeah. Things, you know, keeping them clean, teaching kids. We started focusing on kids, teaching them air, water, and soil quality information in their communities. And I tied back into Wolf and Powell County at that time with the high schools. And also I was based in Berea. Mm. So that area, and it was it was special to me anyway. I've always grown up there and lived there. So during that time, I've always been a kayaker, like a okay. whitewater kayaker. And I used to teach women's clinics and, you know, work with Bluegrass Wild Water Association and other places. So paddle boarding was kind of something I picked up in 2010, like for fun. And then, you know, I met my, I'd known my husband's family for many years. They paddled with me a lot. We're all paddlers, whitewater paddlers. And so he and I also whitewater paddleboard as well. So that's how I met him. I'd known his brothers for a long time and I met him in 2013 officially, like in person. I'd always known who he was. So we started dating then and, and everything just kind of evolved from that point. So both of us have a very unique subset of qualifications. Like he's a boat captain, but he also was a whitewater video boater. He was a whitewater instructor. You know, we both have taught clinics. We've both taught people how to paddle. We've both taken people down many rivers, you know, prior to starting this company. So it gives us sort of a unique subset. Plus we'd also been like swift water rescue trained, you know, first aid, wilderness CPR. We've had all that because we were already kind of very involved in the sport and helping other people learn the sport, you know, so it was kind of a natural evolution. And as I've gotten older, you know, I've scaled back my whitewater adventures a little bit. Like I'm not, <laughs> not doing the class five anymore. You know, I, I'm doing the, the easier stuff and paddleboarding's great because you can paddleboard a class two, easy class three river. And it feels like it's a yeah, class five, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I've, honestly, hard. I've never heard yeah. of whitewater stand-up paddleboarding. That sounds yeah. insane. And we do it in Frankfurt. We actually do it on the Elkhorn Creek in Is Frankfurt right? quite a lot. Yeah. It's a great place to do it. So, we actually love that little run there and believe it or not they're taking out a dam this week oh. at the Jim Beam at the Jim Beam facility so we're super curious to see how it's going to affect because yeah. we've always had to hike around that dam for years and you know low head dams have always been an issue and so you know we're really excited to see the habitat of that creek 
yeah get to come back once the dam's removed but yeah elkhorn creek in frankfurt's a great place to whitewater paddleboard it's an easy class two plus run you know with some great waves for surfing river surfing so there's lots of stuff to do not just uh, paddling flat water here in kentucky there's lots of uh, little whitewater sections <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool good. i never think of kentucky as a whitewater place so you're opening my mind a little bit in fact i was interviewing a fellow who's helping develop this park right across the river from us in southern indiana oh yeah and they're trying you know about this they're trying to integrate some of the white water that's around the falls of the ohio yes, right yes with the river wave yeah we, scott we've been up there and talked to scott yeah several times i think it's a great idea plus he did such a great job with parkland so i'm i'm really excited to see that happening for louisville as well it'll be a great addition absolutely and you also have this certification as an environmental educator for the in the state of kentucky right so i do um Talk a little bit about what you see as the connection between environmental education broadly and just getting people out on these waterways. Yeah, well, you know, I always still kind of am a huge proponent for education, you know, for everyone, because so many people, you know, oftentimes we see a lot of trash. We see a lot of things that shouldn't be happening. But most often it's just people aren't really educated about those things and don't really see it as an issue. So part of that comes from teaching the kids when they're younger, you know, about these things. And also, you know, I think not just myself, but many, many people are very curious about things. And when you can take time to explain it to them, show it to them, you know, and really know what you're talking about, they get a lot more interested in what's going on, you know, and and so many people do not associate Kentucky with tourism outside of bourbon and horse racing, right. you know, but we have so many, you know, beautiful places. And part of the reason our bourbon trail has become so popular is because people realize how beautiful it is here, both for roadway biking, you know, and then paddling. And they create these runs, these walks and all these things. And, you know, our entire geology is mostly limestone. You mm -hmm. know, we have tons of rock climbing. And then we have, what, more navigable waterways than any other state except for Alaska, right? Alaska is the only one that beats us. And Alaska is so huge compared to us. Right, but we right. Have, That's we impressive. We have a ton of water. So, but, you know, a lot of people just haven't really been given the opportunity to experience the waterways in that way, particularly in eastern Kentucky. You know, it's, it's not something that was always accessible to people or even really known about. You know, so swimming in the creeks was one thing, but paddling them or even, you know, paying mindful attention to caring for them, mm. you know, hasn't really been a focus a lot in those areas. So all of that, I think, ties in. You know, we often do school groups. We just finished doing the Lexington School. We often have Boy Scout and Girl Scout groups that come. So part of our tours as well, we really do try to educate people on the geology of the areas, the topography, the river sheds, where they're coming from, where the water's coming from. In the mine, you know, we talk about a lot the Red River Gorge history, the geology of that place, how it was formed, you know, why it's unique. Um, we have some unique species. We have some salamanders, some mm. bats, some cliff swallows, things like that. It's an interesting situation because we can interact with them in a way that is not at all invasive into their habitat yeah. because we're not, you know, on top of it, but we're able to kind of go through and learn about those things. So particularly for me, 
getting my certification and learning how to integrate the education things into the standards for the teachers was critically important because teachers are very overwhelmed (laughs) and they're often being constantly told to change this and change that. So knowing enough to be able to say to them, hey, this tour will hit these points in the curriculum for this grade level. If you're interested, you know, then you can check it off. You know, you can check off these issues for them. That's been really helpful because teachers are like, what? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you know about that. Like, <laughs> thank you, you know, and just trying to make it not just, it's, we want it to be fun too, but we also want it to be educational. And then hopefully as the next generation comes up, they will better care for the planet and fix some of the things yeah. that might be wrong yeah. and make them better. You well, know, first step is awareness. You got to know it to love it, right? Yes. I, I'm speaking today with Heather Warman, owner and guide at SUP Kentucky Stand Up Paddleboarding Kentucky. You can find them at SUPKentucky.com. They will be leading trips all summer long in Kentucky. And then it sounds like you could even go with them to Croatia this year. That's so exciting. Uh, lots of great opportunities at SUPKentucky.com. And I just love getting out on the water anywhere in Kentucky, uh, even in a place like, you know, everybody complains about the Ohio River so polluted and so yeah, industrial. Yeah. But even when I'm out on the Ohio, I feel like, like you said, like I've gone to a, a completely different place. <laughs> like it's yeah. such a different perspective on my yeah. environment, right? Uh, I, f- yeah. I feel like I'm getting the perspective of, I don't know, a waterfowl or something yeah. that yeah. Uh, that makes the, these waterways their home that we don't usually we're usually just passing over it on a bridge or looking at it from the side and not yeah. interacting in the same way as as when yeah. you're out paddling in any form so tell me a little bit about why you're so excited about stand-up paddle boarding and what it's like for people who've never tried it before i mean it can sound intimidating right you're basically like standing on a surfboard how can this work yeah yeah, yeah people are very intimidated however you know as somebody who has kayaked for most of my life and then you know switching to this especially as I'm getting older, it's actually very low impact and it's much healthier for you because you're engaging your entire body in the activity. Right. Now, one big thing for people to note, and I and I always kind of struggle with other companies that don't necessarily, not here in Kentucky, but just other places I've been, they don't necessarily buy the right type of equipment for beginners and then they throw beginners onto it. And people don't often realize that with a paddleboard, like, so we use 36 inch wide boards, three feet, and then they're usually 11, 11, six feet long. That's a very stable platform it is very large okay but most people don't realize that even going down an inch or two inches to 34 inches wide or 32 inches wide can make something very unstable for a new person and so a lot of times i'll see outfitters in other places that buy like 32 inch equipment you really need some practice you need some experience Mm. before you're standing on 32 inch wide and if it gets shorter like 10 feet or nine six you really need experience before you're standing on that too so oftentimes you know we have different sizes of equipment particularly when we do lake touring because the narrower the board the the easier and faster it paddles right mm-hmm. but for beginners you can't just jump right on a narrow board you know unless you're a very athletic person who's quite able you know most some people are just super athletic they can jump on anything they'll be they'll be fine yeah, yeah. but for most people you need to start on a very stable platform understand the movement get the body movements down because some of them are counterintuitive you know keeping your arms straight like a lever making sure you're reaching in front stopping at your toes you know things like that so people often even if I put them on different pieces of equipment on our tours like whoa it made a huge difference like this one's so much more stable you know and i can tell by looking at people and their size and their athletic conversations with me what board they need to paddle so you know it really is something anyone can do and then depending on 
if you have knee issues or things like that, you know, you might need to adapt or adjust. But we're in the process of adding some seat options to our boards because oh, really? the other great thing about paddle boards are you can stand on them, you can sit on them, you can kneel on them. And unlike a kayak, if you fall off or you tip over, it's just a big float. So you just get back on. Right. <laughs> Whereas with your kayak, you know, you got to drag it to the shore, you got to drain it, you yeah. got to get all the water out, you got to put it back in, you got to get back into it, you know. So I, I taught kayaking, like I said, for many, I will never teach kayaking again because it's so much more work than, <laughs> than a paddleboard, you know, like the paddleboard is so friendly, you know, and we use inflatable boards for our company because they're really, really durable. They're packable. Mm. And when we travel, we put them in backpacks, you know, and so you can just blow them up when you get where you're going. Wow. So all of our trips are beginner friendly. We did that on purpose. So all of our trips, even if you've never, ever gone before, you do not need to be afraid. You can come on the trip. Like, and, you, and a lot of people will contact me and say, you know, should I take an intro lesson, you know, before I come? We are going to offer intro lessons. We're getting ready to start those again. But you do not have to have an intro lesson before you come on our tours. You can just come on the tour and that can be an intro lesson, mm. you know, if you want. But we certainly are going to offer intro. We offer them at Jacobson Park here in Lexington. We'll do them two nights a week. They'll start here in a couple weeks if people want to do intro lessons. Um, but you certainly don't need to. We give you a couple tips techniques on how to you know stay comfortable on the board and then you're off and paddling you yeah. know you know most of the the two tours we have cumberland falls and the underground tour are only about an hour and a half so it's not too much on you you yeah. know but grayson is a four-hour tour but it's a very leisurely pace and so a lot of people kneel down sit down stand you know combination of all of that on that tour so that they can kind of relax their feet you know, get comfortable because the first few times you paddle, you know, your feet are not used to being moved, you know, around on something while you're standing. So they're yeah. trying to grip, yeah. you know, for you, whether you know it or not, because we don't walk on water, right? Well, we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's something that people have to get used to. But once you get used to it, it's just like standing on the ground. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the same. And so what, what about age minimum? Is this a good thing for kids? Of all It ages? is a great thing for kids. We do limit the age to three, mm. um, which is still pretty tiny yeah. just because even though you know some parents are like my kid love no kids love anything under three right i mean they'll, <laughs> they'll go along with the parents and do what they want but kids have a much shorter um attention span yeah, yeah, and yeah. so in our underground tour a lot of people think their kids are going to love it and i'm like yeah maybe for the first 10 minutes because and some kids though as they get older they do love it you know it just depends on the kids so but yeah we have a minimum age of three right now and then you know after that we have tandem options for parents now i will say this if you're a brand new beginner and then you're thinking i want to take my kid too that's not the best idea so you really should learn and then you can have your child ride along okay um, you know, but in the cave, we have the kayaks now, so people can bring their kids in a tandem kayak. That's uh -huh, okay. Uh -huh. But oftentimes, like, we have a giant board, too. It's called the Beast. <laughs> it's eight, 18 feet long and wow. five feet wide. Wow. So you put your whole family do, on there. Yeah, we often do that. We often do kids' activities, and a lot of times, like, I'll take all the kids with me on that <laughs> on the and beast. then give the parents a break, you know, and just paddle <laughs> with the kids. But kids love it. Paddle boards are great for kids. Uh, paddle boards are great for dogs because they're mm. flat mm -hmm. you know they're much easier for a dog to just kind of lay down yeah. and relax you know and we allow pets on grayson and um cumberland falls just as long as they have a life jacket just like we do because um, if dogs fall in you never know too they they also need a flotation device yeah. but um yeah so paddle boards are really 
that's why they've become so popular. They're like the fastest, it's the fastest growing sport, you know, in the world right now because it's so accessible for people and really so easy. So, and I see more and more every year since we've been doing this, like every year I see more and more people out paddling them, you know, so it's been nice to watch that. What about if you're going on a longer trip? Can you carry a lot of stuff on a paddleboard? Yes, you can. So ours especially. Remember I said they're really wide yeah. and they're really long. So, yeah, and particularly like on our Grayson tour in Cumberland Falls, we provide little coolers because um, we do provide like a light lunch. And then, of course, we have our new water bottle. We partnered with Path Water. So we have aluminum logoed water bottles that are reusable so people can take them nice. home as a souvenir but also use them again. And so we provide all of that for you. And then we have space in the cooler for you to bring items. But you can also bring a dry bag clip it to the board. There's plenty of room for that. Coolers are great. Also, people can sit on coolers. Sometimes, you know, I see a lot of people, they'll just bring a hard cooler and like use it as a seat on the paddleboard. And then you can always stand up when you want, but you can always sit down when you want to. So, yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so this uh, new aluminum bottle strategy is one way you're trying to like reduce waste on the river, which must must be something you think about as an environmental educator. I mean, there's a there's a way to do this kind of ecotourism that isn't that great for the environment, right? But there right. are there are ways to sort of do it zero waste and leave no trace, right? Yes, yes, particularly, and and also. You know, on our tours, we do we are very conscientious of if we do exit the boards where we do those types of things, you know, but one of the reasons the bottles were so important to me was because I have to say the number one waste item I find is plastic bottles um, floating, you know, everywhere. So, you know, and aluminum, even if people don't want to keep the bottle and use it again, we we made them beautiful so people might want to have them. But if they don't, aluminum can be recycled and it actually makes the communities money. So aluminum is one of the few things because I know that, you know, technically plastic can be recycled, but that's kind of a misnomer right, right now because right, trying right. to quit buying the plastic and no one's really recycling it anymore. But also, you know, aluminum is the only thing that generates income for the communities that do recycle it. So the more aluminum you can utilize, if you are using single use drink containers, at least, you know, if you don't want to keep it and reuse it, you can at least recycle it. And it will also generate income, which will help the communities with recycling in general, because it's the only thing making the money right now. You know, so the glass, the plastic, the cardboard, it generally costs communities money to do those things. So oftentimes, especially when community resources are strained, the re- those recycling things are the first to get laid to the side. You know, they're not always done. So aluminum, however, is always a moneymaker. So they'll always do that. So, you know, it's important to try and think about this all the way through in, in a sustainable way, right? Not just one piece of it, but how all the pieces of it can be connected to really in, encourage, you know, the right behaviors all down the line, you know. Well, and telling people why we have those too, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. And and no matter what the bottle's made of, just the act of filling it on site instead of shipping water from God knows where is yeah. a great thing for the environment. So yeah. I honor it, you it's... for doing that. That's awesome. Are you are you taking other steps to help uh, your your customers think about zero waste beyond those bottles? Yeah, so we do um, at our retail store, we are completely off grid. Um, we use solar and wind, believe it or Yay. not. We have a small wind generator. Yeah, we have a small wind generator and we are solar powered out there. And we put the array and the wind generator right 
in the front. So when you walk in, you oh, see it. Nice. Yeah. So people <laughs> always say, Oh, are you guys totally solar here? Are you off, you know, wind? I say, yeah, we are. So, you know, people often comment on it, ask questions, you know, and it, it comes with its challenges. You know, I'll be the first to admit, like, you know, oftentimes dealing with shade, how to get the best power, the angle, the the gauge of the wire needed when we move the panels. You know, mm. we're learning. My husband's really the one that focuses on all of that. Like he's really, he's very intelligent and he has more of an engineering mind. So he's been working on all of that. But yeah, it's important to us that, you know, we try to have a minimal impact on the earth and just utilizing solar power and wind are some of the best ways we can do that out on site, you know. And then, you know, particularly we are, we have been sourcing more and more um, recycled clothing lines as well. Nice. Um, so a lot of our new clothing coming in is recycled material in the clothing, um, trying to use earth-friendly fabrics and partner with companies. You know, NRS is really doing a lot now lately to um, improve their sustainability. Prana is a company that I'm an ambassador for Prana. I often have lots of Prana products because of the same thing. They've minimized their packing waste, um, you know, and tried to really encourage sustainability with their clothing as well, um, Patagonia. So we try and we are in the process of signing up for the 1% for the planet too. So we'll be donating 1% of all of our profits to that organization to help give back. Fantastic. And we are going to work primarily with Giving in the Gorge, a nonprofit um, that's been created in the Gorge, but I'm going to be coming on board uh, as a board member and we're really going to try and focus efforts locally um, to really start improving some of the things like we already try to do at least one cleanup every year on a different body of water but also then creating some funds for some local people who mm -hmm. have been doing kind of stuff for a while and and then creating projects for the kids that would you know be sustainably minded in the area so all that stuff's coming um, down the line because we're getting it all geared up and ready to go. So Yeah, great. My guest today on Sustainability Now is Heather Warman. She is owner and guide at SUP Kentucky. Learn about them at SUPKentucky.com. But she's also a native Kentuckian, a graduate of UK's College of Design. And she has owned her own design studio for 10 years and focused on environmental friendly and sustainable design. And she's a certified environmental educator here in Kentucky. So I'm so glad to have her on the program today. We're talking about paddling and ecotourism and just living in nature in a respectful way in, in so many different ways. And I'm excited to talk about the next stage for you all, which is the development of cabins, right? And first of all, yes. so it sounds like you guys have a headquarters. Like I was imagining you just show up wherever the tour is starting, but it sounds like there's a place people go. Where are these solar panels? Where are these winter? Yeah, so our um, retail store is in um, Rogers, Kentucky, which is about 1.5 miles from Natural Bridge State Park. Okay. So it's it's at our Gorge Underground tour. So we partner, we work on site with the Gorge Underground. A lot of people don't know this because they don't really need to, but the Gorge Underground is one company and then Sub Kentucky is a second company because we now have our own um, retail stores because we leased the back side of the mine. So we have our own entrance to the mine. And then, so we all meet together on the water wow. and we lead tours, but we each have our own retail stores. So that's where all of our off-grid um, stuff is. And that's where our cabins are going to be as well. So we have purchased um, four acres um, just up the road on Glen Cairn Road from our shop. So it will be about two and a half miles away. And the Red River Gorge is 
booming right now. You know, yes. many people know they are building cabins everywhere. Unfortunately, there is no planning and zoning in Wolf County, oh which boy. is not, I wish <laughs> we had, you know, it's not good. But also, you know, I, I really see a lot of what I call typical development practices going on, which is builders or people that have a builder and are investors buying land and then just sending people out there to build stuff and no real planning going on at all, no sustainability, no um, thought about water management, already looking at the ways water runs off of property and mm -hmm. really planning on how to improve the property. So it's been, a little disheartening for me, but I thought, you know what, just like in all things, you have to try and be an example for the type of things you want to see. So we are in the process of partnering. Uh, we have hired Inside Out Design as our landscape architects because they are very sustainably and eco-conscious minded. They also use native plants only in Kentucky. They're very educated at what they do to help us develop the land um, and the plan for the land. So we plan to the land we purchased, also, I specifically chose lots that were not forested already. They're just blank farmland that was used for cows, I think, before. So we're going to reforest the four acres and include walking trails, and we're going to include rain gardens and low prairies and really try and create a very sustainable environment, but also give an example by being off-grid with wind and solar there as well, yeah. utilizing rainwater catchment you know, in what we're doing. And then there's a pond on our property. So we're going to work on the pond and recreate a habitat there for the wildlife and put up some educational information for our customers that will be coming on the walking trails about the different types of plants, why we're using them, why they're important to the environment, and really sort of going back to the way Kentucky looked long before we mm. sort of logged it to death, you know, because it used to be heavily wooded in those places and then it got logged, you know, and so, and not only that, we have mines, like even at the mine, you know, uh, oftentimes, you know, people will joke to me because they know I care a lot about, it. you're, you're making money in a mine. I'm like, I know, <laughs> but it's important that we educate people yes. about what's been happening here in Kentucky. And even now how we can take something that was pretty destroyed right? and turn it into something beautiful and educational. And even in the mine, which was blasted out by dynamite, nature is taking back over. We sure. are beginning to get stalactites. We have bats, we have salamanders, we have cave crickets, we have, you know, rat snakes, we have spiders. All of those things begin to create a habitat in the space. We're reintroducing crawfish believe it or not a scientist just told us we can grow them up to 18 inches down there i'm like what wow. so we're gonna put them in and feed them and really grow the habitat so you know even there we have the opportunity to educate because you know i'm pretty much preg i'm pragmatic i recognize that we can't just cease all activity with coal natural gas and just switch to solar it's, it's not, not gonna, gonna work happen like immediately that. Yeah. it's not gonna happen yeah. but we but is the way i look at it for anyone's perspective we should always be striving to be better than we are, mm -hmm. and we should always be striving to clean up and take care of our planet. And so whatever we can do to do that in the best way now is what we should be doing. So, you know, we're going to try to go off grid because we feel like that's the most sustainable thing to do right now and the best thing we can do for the locations we're going to be.
it might not be for everybody. You know, we are going to have city water as well as rain catchment. So we're going to do a combination of the two, uh-huh. um, you know, and but it, but again, we want to put educational information in our cabins about how we do the rain catchment, you know, and why we do it and right. what we use the water for and those kind of things, you know, just to give people an idea. I was never taught about any of that stuff no. when I was Where are you going to learn about that? Exactly. Yeah, I was never I was never <laughs> taught, you know, and it was just through college and and also just my own passion for learning it that I sought out, you know, other ways to learn about it because it's not something that was readily offered. You know, now I know University of Louisville has sustainability programs. People have them now. But when I graduated in 1999, yeah. It was not. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. all come about in the last 20 years really to people in a in a more broad platform mm-hmm. way, you know, so. But seeing is but, yeah. really believing and just imagining like people who have very little exposure to these kinds of ideas coming and staying in an off-grid cabin and just, then you can start imagining how it might apply back at home. <laughs> right. And I think people, and I think people often have this vision of what that looks like as being something not nice. And because I do have an interior design background, yeah. I mean, the thing they're going to be amazing. Like they're beautiful. I'm so excited to build them. They're wow. A-frames and then, you know, they're going to look stunning and the inside we're going to use a lot of concrete and natural wood and they're going to be beautiful. So for people really to also begin to see and you know, we're planning to also with the building materials, we're planning to really go a different direction. You know, mm-hmm. we want to timber frame some of them, but also we want to utilize hemp Um, and, you know, we're going to utilize concrete and we're going to try and utilize like always, you know, no VOC paints where possible. So even the products all the way from the building materials to the painting products, to the cabinets being solid, you know, wood and not pressed board with VOCs and, you know, really keeping the air quality of the homes natural as well. Wool carpeting, natural fibers, you know, it's all very important to me. So from, from the outside all the way to the bedding. You know, it's going to be natural stuff, you know, so, so cool. it, it will be a really good way to sort of begin to teach people about why those things are important, right. you know, because I learned a lot at my job at KEF as well. I mean, I, you know, before working there, I didn't realize that your life expectancy is more determined by your zip code than many other things. Sure, right. Yeah. So and that has all to do with air quality, soil quality, food quality, you know, health, all of those things are combined. So it has become and it's a lot, right? It's a lot of stuff for people to take in. But if you can just at least show them little pieces of why that stuff matters, I think they'll care and they'll start to learn and, you know, make things better. So that's what we're hoping for. It might take us, you know, we're not going to rush these projects. Good. I hope that we get the cabins built by next year. But it's more important to us that we p- properly plan the landscape yeah. Yeah. and we properly prepare everything. So we'll see. You know, it might take two years, but we're not in a hurry. You know, we're going to just and we're soon going to we're coming up with the name for it now. Um, Once we have a brand, we are going to create a Facebook page and a website so people can follow the progress because we do also want to share with people how we're going to do it. So so step by step, we'll be showing people everything from the design phase to the implementation phase and like how that whole project is going to go and letting people follow along in case it's something they've wanted to do. But haven't really known how. And this is my first time. So I'm super excited to learn from everybody as we go, you know, and also get to do it from start to finish as well. So it's a really exciting time for me because like my dream come true, you know, ever since design school, like being able to design, develop and 
take it even further than I've ever thought possible before, you know, all in the same vein. So, oh, Heather, that is so exciting. I'm excited to watch these projects develop in the next few years. Uh, and we're, we're, unfortunately, we're nearing the end of our time. We've only got about five more minutes left. But uh, you mentioned one thing about policy, and I, I guess I definitely wanted to ask about policy with respect to ecotourism in Kentucky. You mentioned the problem of lack of uh, zoning in, in Wolf County. But are there other issues at the state or even county level that sort of impact your ability or, or threaten the future of ecotourism in our state or could be better? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that you bring that up and it's kind of a random thing. I just had someone show up on my property from the state of Kentucky and say, you're operating illegally. And oh, I was no. like, wait, what? What do you mean? And so apparently you have to get a building permit in Frankfurt because there is no building permit process in Wolf County. <laughs> But I called people when I first did this, but we didn't have a bathroom. We just have porta potties at the moment. And since we're completely off grid, it was very like, you don't need anything. Huh. And, and get this for cabins, you don't have to do anything because that's residential building, even though you're going to be having really? commercial clients. But for a business owner, so now I'm kind of working through that process backwards, which is fine. I know enough. Of, I had him send me the building code regulations. I know enough on how to read that just from my background of history. But even as I'm going through it and looking at the plumbing regulations and requirements, because we're happy to do it. You know, if we'd known, we would have done it straight from the beginning. Um, but now we'll do it backwards. No problem. But I'm, I was talking to the guys the other day and I'm like, some of the, some of the suggestions are really not the best things for the environment. You know, the way they're dealing with the waste, the right. way that, you know, and it's like, how can we better create policy to help businesses be more sustainable? And you may know there are many policies in the state that actually encourage the wrong types of activities. You know, they encourage businesses in the wrong direction, yeah. not in the right direction. So, you know, I've always felt like that if we could implement policies that reward people that are willing to invest in their own infrastructure and create solar, but, you know, KU is pretty naughty sometimes about their policies you know all these all of these utilities i get it they're running a business model too but at the same time there should be a way to reward companies for doing the right things so there's always policy stuff to be done and as you know yeah. um there are many great organizations in the state of kentucky kentucky conservation committee is a great one to follow Shout you know Lane, yep. lane's on top of everything over there and she knows what's going on you know and it's just and you know Tom Fitzgerald, Kentucky Resources Council, you know, any those people are doing great stuff. It's a full-time job, right? Oh, Keeping yeah. up with the policy. But certainly I think it's important for us and, and Andrea, I know at Inside Out Design does this too, that we reach out and talk to our constituents about these things, not to see our businesses, invite them out to tell them what we're doing, invite them out to show them, hey, we do care yeah. and this is why we care and this is why we're trying to do this, you know, and we, you, we could use your help, you know, to create some policies to help other people too, right? Because it can be expensive, you know, doing it on your own. So I think helping small business owners and rewarding them when they're willing to recycle, yeah. when they're willing to create off, you know, solar or wind generation, you know, or even minimizing their impact in, in various ways, you know, there's rain gardens, rainwater catchment, you know, all those types of things really make a difference. Native plant species yes. instead of invasive plants, you know, removing invasive species on your property 
incentives for that in the communities, which I think there should be, I think a lot more people would be inclined to do it, you know, because oftentimes as a business owner, you're already really busy. So having to try and fund that stuff on top of resources to do it is challenging, you know? So yeah, certainly. And I've kind of taken a policy break, I will say. Oh, you have um, to. It gets a little yeah. overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to take a pulse. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I constantly don't know the tireless efforts of some of these people. I, they are warriors. I mean, yeah. Tom Fitzgerald and Lane Bowman being yeah. two of them, they are warriors. And people should really recognize and appreciate how hard it is to do that stuff, to do that policy that is yeah exhausting. You yeah. know, but don't worry, I'm coming back. You know, once <laughs> I get all my stuff in place. I'm going to come back at them, you know, and hopefully make some noise, you know, to help other people in the area be able to do the same thing, you know, and grow what we're doing. And and yeah, really advance ecotourism in Kentucky because lately it's been funny people bashing me because I, you know, wasn't against the resort plan in the Red River Gorge. But the main reason is this. There is a plan. Yeah. It's like dark, dark sky. You know, it includes lead. It includes environmental and sustainability planning. It includes all of the things I want to see when I see tourism being promoted. You know, so I don't I don't bash all things growth. You know, I just want people to do it the right way. Right. So what really is hard for people to begin to distinguish, like, how can you be an environmentalist and be in support of this project? I said, well. The project hasn't been built yet. So first of all, I'm not sure I'm in full support of it. But what I am in full support of is everything I've seen going into the planning phases of this project. Makes a difference. And I've seen them getting community engagement. I've seen them getting community feedback. I've seen them listening and implementing environmental you know, restrictions, planning to preserve the arches, planning to create walking trails, less driving, planning to create ways to um, transport people with electric Um, sort of trolleys instead of cars everywhere. All of those things sound very promising to me and also will probably better protect those 900 acres than what's currently happening because (laughs) the 900 acres right now is just sitting there because you know, because you work in this land management is a huge part of sustainability just because land is sitting there doesn't mean it's being properly sustained or managed. And most of that land's old logging areas that were destroyed, And so no one has taken time to go in and really take care of them and remove invasive species, put native plants back in. And that's needs to be done. You know, so that honestly, it could turn out to be better for that 900 acres in the long run if they carry through. Right. Right. As long as it's not just talk. We've seen design (laughs) into the implementation. Yeah. Yeah, As long as it's not just talk, as long as there's action behind the promising project. And also it could be a project that could really teach yeah everyone else how to really do an eco tourism location in kentucky which come on no one's expecting that to happen in kentucky (laughs) particularly in eastern kentucky you know so if we can do that if we can pull that off we could really become like a light to the world on the right way to to preserve our lands and really better it and take care of it after destroying it you know like how do we bring it back because we know how we're smart humans are intelligent human beings 
we have done far greater things. We can repair this too, you know? So <laughs> I have a, faith in us. What a great note to end on. I'm so sorry we're all out of time. Heather Warman, thank you so much for yeah, joining no us. She's owner and guide at SUP Kentucky. Get out on the rivers with them at SUPKentucky.com and make sure you have a good summer of paddling. Thank you so much, Heather. Yes, thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, everybody, stay tuned. Coming up in just a second, your community action calendar with all kinds of ideas for how to get engaged in sustainability locally coming up in just a minute. So stay tuned. Down by the water side, take our time. Down by the water. And we're back here on Sustainability Now. My name is Justin Mogg, and this is my time to encourage you to get out in the community, get active for sustainability this week. It's your week to do it, so get your calendars out and your pencils sharpened, my friends. All right, coming up all week long, it is Ali Festival, taking place through Sunday, June 13th. The 2021 Muhammad Ali Festival is crafted to provide inspiration, entertainment, education, and activation through events that generate a sense of unity, justice, and a rebirth of Muhammad Ali's hometown of Louisville. Through Sunday, the Ali Center is hosting a number of events that honor the legacy of Ali. The center is expanding its hours from noon to five through the duration of the festival. You can find the full schedule and details at alicenter.org. Highlights for the week include the world premiere of City of Ali, a documentary about how Louisville reacted to Ali's death with multiple screenings each day of the festival. Rare items from the Ali Center's archives will be on display on Tuesday, June 8th. At noon on Wednesday, June 9th, in recognition of Muhammad Ali's spirituality, one of his six core principles, the center is presenting as part of its I Am America series a virtual program called Examining the Intersections of Racism and Islamophobia. It's Wednesday the 9th at noon to 1 p.m. on Zoom. Islamophobia has long time been a part of racism and prejudice within the United States. And during this discussion, a panel of experts will explore the intersections of racism and religion, specifically through the lens of Muslim Americans. Panelists include Hale Karimi, Assistant Professor of Management at Bellarmine University, Edward Ahmed Mitchell, Deputy Director of the Council on American-Islamic Relations, and Dr. Muhammad Barbar, President of Muslim Americans for Compassion and the Muhammad Ali Center board member. Together, they're going to discuss the social implications of persistent Islamophobia in our country and the tremendous damage caused to our communities when bigotry and racism toward Muslims remains largely ignored and unaddressed by institutions of influence and power. The conversation will conclude with opportunities for compassionate action and inclusive community building within Ali's home city and beyond. Registration is free but required, and you can find that link to register at alicenter.org. 
Now, coming up on Wednesday, June 9th at 6 p.m., the Kentucky Solar Energy Society is hosting a free webinar on advances in battery storage technologies. This is going to feature a couple of presenters, uh, John Cotton from Wilderness Trace Solar and Matt Partymiller from Solar Energy Solutions. And together, they're going to address topics related to current battery storage options for both residential and commercial grid-tied and off-grid solar photovoltaics systems, as well as an overview of battery storage at the industrial and utility scale, and some information about emerging technologies in battery storage. You can find the link to register at kyses.org slash events, because it's from the Kentucky Solar Energy Society. Find them at kyses.org slash events. Now, Thursday, June 10th at noon, there's another great online event. It's a live cooking demo on salads that satisfy. The Organic Association of Kentucky and the Kentucky Farm Share Coalition are offering free virtual chef demos all summer long. They will be held monthly on Zoom with Chef Tanya Whitehouse from the Food Connection in Lexington. And they'll be at noon featuring great tips and recipes for using seasonal produce. So, as we mentioned, the June event on the 10th at noon is salads that satisfy then coming up on july 8th it'll be fritter fun at noon and it wraps up on august 12th with garnish that dish you can learn more and register for these great free online chef demos at oak oak-ky.org slash consumer dash events that's oak-ky.org slash consumer dash events and coming up on Thursday, June 10th at 6 p.m., also online, the 2021 Metropolitan Housing Coalition's virtual annual meeting will be featuring Matthew Desmond, author of Evicted, Poverty and Profit in the American City. And all are invited to join them on Thursday for their annual fundraising event. This year, featuring keynote speaker Matthew Desmond, Ph.D., the Pulitzer Prize-winning author of Evicted, Poverty and Profit in the American City. Dr. Desmond is a professor of sociology at Princeton and the principal investigator of Princeton's Eviction Lab. His address on Thursday will focus on evictions during the time of the pandemic. The topic of health and housing is more relevant than ever, and we are fortunate to have Matthew Desmond as our keynote speaker this year. Individual tickets are $40 per person and you can secure yours and learn more at metropolitanhousing.org and again their annual meeting and virtual fundraiser is coming up Thursday June 10th at 6 p.m. you can get your tickets at metropolitanhousing.org and stay tuned to this show we're going to have a whole show dedicated to the latest metropolitan housing report the state of housing in louisville so you won't want to miss that coming up on a future program here on sustainability now well, we mentioned it last week, but coming up this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, June 12th to 13th, it's this year's uh, Citizens Climate Lobby National Conference. And the theme this year is the push for a price on carbon. It'll be from 1 to 5 p.m. on both days. And a common economy-wide carbon price is indeed the single most powerful tool we have to reduce America's carbon pollution to net zero by 2050. We're asking Congress to enact that powerful tool 
school this year. You'll get updates on what's happening in D.C. from keynote speaker Adele Morris, an economist at the Brookings Institution, and CCL's Government Affairs team. Other keynote speakers include Jasmine Saunders, Executive Director of Our Climate, and Jerry Taylor, President of Niskanen Center, who will be sharing what their organizations are doing this year in support of climate solutions. At the breakout sessions, you'll have the opportunity to hear from faith groups, local leaders, businesses, and more about their perspectives on the push for a price on carbon. Grassroots action is at the heart of this push for a price on carbon, and citizens' climate grassroots supporters span the U.S. and its diverse climates and interests. Together, we'll double down on a push for a price. You'll be trained on actions you can take in your community, with the media, and with your member of Congress. Additionally, they're offering four seminars on Sunday the 13th at 1 p.m. that will dive deeper into the topics than a regular conference breakout might. Registration is free. For more information, go to cclusa.org slash push for a price. Again, the free Citizens Climate Lobby National Conference is this Sunday and Saturday, June 12th to 13th. And you can register for free at cclusa.org slash push for a price. Now, in a related event on after, taking place just after that locally, it's uh, on Saturday, June 12th at 7 p.m. You can join the members of REAL, the Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville, to learn more about what Louisville is doing for the sake of our climate. You can join this virtual conversation online, speaking, featuring keynote speakers Sam Avery from the Renewable Energy Alliance of Louisville, Sarah Lane Cunningham from Louisville Climate Action Network, Bill Hollander, the District 9 Metro Council person, Zachary Taylor from Louisville Metro's Energy Manager, and Allison Smith from Louisville Metro's Office of Advanced Planning and Sustainability. There'll also be music by John Gage. You won't want to miss it. Register for this free Zoom event at tinyurl.com slash June, the number one, the number two, real good news. That's tinyurl.com slash June 12, real good news it's sponsored by st paul united methodist church and kentucky interfaith power and light and it's free and open to everyone on saturday june 12th 7 to 8 30 p.m online register at tinyurl.com slash june 12 real good news also want to let you know that coming up, uh, registration is open now for the weeks of June 14th and June 21st at Camp Odyssey for Kids. It's going to be taking place at Earth and Spirit Center, 1924 Newburgh Road. The Earth and Spirit Center is so excited to bring back Camp Odyssey this year. It immerses children entering grades 1 through 6 in the Earth and Spirit Center mission as they explore the woodlands and meadows of the 27-acre campus and nature sanctuary as they work and play with our artists, garden and environmental educators, chefs, yoga and meditation instructors, musicians, and many others. Kids will come to understand how ecosystems work, where their food comes from, and how to be more mindful and compassionate towards themselves, their bodies, other people, and their surroundings. Plus, we will all have so much fun. And Camp Odyssey will be conducted in accordance with the latest state and CDC guidelines for COVID-19. You can learn more and register at earthandspiritcenter.org. That's all spelled out, all one word, earthandspiritcenter.org. 
Also, last thing to let you know is that the Louisville Community Grocery is on a mission to get 100 new owners by June 30th so we can finally get enough members to uh, basically put put some money down on a piece of property and really start, start towards building and opening the store. Join now. Become a member now so you can participate in our all-owner meeting, which is coming up Tuesday, June 15th at 6 p.m. online. You can get all the details about that event and how to become a member of the Louisville Community Grocery to push us past 100 new members by June 30th. Go to LouisvilleCommunityGrocery.com. That's LouisvilleCommunityGrocery.com. And that is all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now, my friends. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope you have a great week and get out and get engaged in your community. Together, we can make sustainability a reality now. And I will be back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well.